Discover the secret of St. Kilda. Come smell the heather and sit by the fire. Come talk and laugh with a community of like-minded souls seeking salvation. Come walk the rugged cliffs listening to the screams of seabirds. Listen to the screams of something else far beneath. The Secret of St. Kilda, with voice talent from the Magnus Archives, the No Sleep Podcast, and the Amelia Project. Find us everywhere at The Kilda. Hope we don't find you first. Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt Boothman, I've been your compare for this main house production, uh, and let's have the players introduce themselves for this post-show episode. Hi, um, I'm Helen, I've been playing Melody the Constructed. Hello, I'm Ellen, I've been playing Jess Butterworth the Spooky. Hello, I'm Chris Baxi. I've been playing Calisteria Softbinding, the expert. I'm Chris McLennan. I've been playing Ed Kincaid, the professional. Thanks all for playing, first of all. My pleasure. And to start with, uh, any immediate uh, reactions or burning questions? Well, it was certainly a lot of fun. Good. That's, that's the number one thing we want. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's been a lot of sort of anticipation um, because, well, uh, certainly for me, because we created these characters uh, back in lockdown one or whatever it was, and uh, had a lot of time to think about them. So it was uh, it was fun to actually sort of get to play these characters and to meet the other characters yeah. as well. Yeah, and seeing how they interact and and what unlikely kind of friendships emerge is always a pleasure. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's difficult because I, I spent the time sort of thinking a bit about my character and the backstory, but also trying not to think about it too much because I knew a lot of it would be created uh, from the interactions with the other characters uh, during the session. But yeah, that was uh, a really good mission. So, you know, a really good story, in fact. So uh, thanks very much for that, Matt. You're welcome. Yeah, it's an interesting balance to have to strike of... Um living with the character in your head enough and thinking about enough about them to be able to play them without making the mistake of like rehearsing stuff in your head that you will never get to use because the circumstances won't won't ever be the same as you think of them in those moments well i had, i had that in spades because obviously the character in and of itself like sort of rationalizes everything that's happened to him before and so his entire character is based on something that is literally 
100% not going to be what's happening to him in a game. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's definitely in his mind. He doesn't hunt monsters. He doesn't do any of this in a game where he is definitely going to be doing that. And he's like, I don't really know how to do this. <laughs> as soon as we started, I was like, I wish I hadn't picked the sort of straight as an arrow. <laughs> oh, it worked so well, though. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> There's one moment where Jess just goes, like, oh, for Pete's sake, Ed. And it was just like, that's, that's exactly the response I wanted to elicit. Because, like, we know that you know. We know that you do this. Like, we, like you're part of our, our team. You join in all the time. And every single time, you're like, nope. It's like, oh. <laughs> so uh, in the, in the post-show sessions for Vigil so far, we've been using uh, a technique called Stars and Wishes, uh, which I've got from the from Luke Wade on the Gauntlet RPG blog, where we we go around and we we award a star to something like a moment that we really enjoyed or something that somebody else did that we think deserves recognition, and then express a wish for something either that you wish you could have done in this session but didn't get to, or just something that you hope that you'll be able to do in another session. I've got a, a wish straight away to start us off, uh, which is that, and this this might cross over with you, Chris, because uh, you expressed uh, a desire at one point to have some sort of car chase with the Morris. I needed, I like, I, I was really hoping when Jess when Jess sort of didn't go through with the plan because <laughs> of Kit, I was just like, I'm not going to get my Morris car chase. No, no. So, <laughs> I think Sorry. A, I think a lot. I think a lot of the, the pent of aggression went into the guns blazing way in which I took down the crab. It's like, if I'm not going to be able to solve this with the Morris, I guess I'm just going to solve it with rifles. Yeah, as soon as you said I'd like either to be chased in the Morris or to do some chasing in the Morris, I was like, yeah, I quite like that as well. It was not to be, uh, and we can we can, we can can enjoy the, the what might have been and hope to see some sort of Morris chase in the future. <laughs> yeah, the Morris is still intact, so that's okay. There's there's another version of this story uh, in possibility space where the final shot of the or the final image of the uh, production is Kincaid driving away and there's a like a tacky I love Sheridan sticker in the back of the Morris that wasn't there before. (laughs) Thankfully, that didn't happen. (laughs) Stunning. Still around for now. Yeah, I think the other thing I hope for at some point is, uh, uh, like, yeah, some proper contention with the agency. Like, in every sort of campaign of anything I play, there's always one die roll somewhere that I just go, I wish that hadn't been such a resounding success. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been much better if it wasn't. But there's plenty of time for that. I'm sure I won't succeed so often. I'll get that in the future. Or I'll give you more stuff to hold against me. Yeah, you you got away with it this time, but that just means that they're going to be extra annoyed the next time you you do something that gets you in their bad books. Not surprised they have to spend money on me, so. Yeah, this time. You'll just have to, like, next time you're on, like, request more stuff, like, call for backup every five minutes, so you just keep keep making that roll. Yeah, I mean, I do think... <laughs> I do think he'll have changed a little as a character because I don't, a, I don't think he can completely forget giant mm-hmm. crab monster. Sure. <laughs> and secondly, you know, now now it's happened once. They've opened a can of worms now. Like, he, if he knows he can get back up and yeah. get people to do things, I think, I think he'll make that call quite often. 
yeah could this be a could this could ed parlay this back into like having influence in mi5 again <laughs> yeah real department yeah and i realized uh charlie barlow is a uh, a liability now because he he oh, yeah. was hurt badly enough traumatized badly enough that he might actually remember what happened yeah oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a thread for later <laughs> uh can i give a main star and then like a little side star absolutely um i really enjoyed the i'm going to say juxtaposition of like the really high-tech issues that everyone was and the fact that it was like an evolution of a a small town um i was gonna say nursery rhyme no um fairy tale creature modernized i i felt like that really fitted with the town of sheridan that even the biggest most high-tech monster that we could face has still got its origins in like gingerbread cottages <laughs> i thought that was really lovely um, yeah it's and, got that mm. sort of like fable or hellboy sort of mm. these things persist throughout you know hundreds and hundreds of years but they're not they're the same thing but not the same like manifestation yeah. I started with I wanted to make sure that we were actually in town for this one because um, like playtime mostly like is in town and it's at the school, but it kind of mostly takes place at night um, and cold snap takes place entirely in the woods. Um, so I wanted to make sure, you know, we've set this in a town. I wanted to make sure we were actually in town for this one. So I was like, I'm putting a threat right on the historic cobbled high street. <laughs> the stupid thing is I've literally just, you know, you imagine a place as you're in it. And I've just realised that Sheridan, in my head, although old and cobbled, is Egham High Street. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a very much an in-joke for anyone who went to Royal Holloway as a student. But I was just had that sudden Which is several of us in this company, yes. for anybody listening. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, <laughs> maybe it's just association. <laughs> I've just put it in Egham. <laughs> you know, the, that was it, the, the side star that I wanted to give <laughs> was for, for Cal's backup Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was terrific. But part of, I just love the idea that part of your magic kit that you keep on you at all times is a Sharpie and a backup Sharpie. Because <laughs> uh, I think Ron is part of his magic kit and then Ron is the one he uses to sign books. So I like the idea yes. that sort of pentagram, he gets most of the way around in black and then he's got like a silver or gold one that he uses to sign books and he just uh, I'll have to finish it with that. Perfect. absolutely it's dual purpose being prepared means being prepared for magic and for fans <laughs> he, holds, he holds it at the end like a flouncy paintbrush as well and everything gets a bit more sort of <laughs> flamboyant and agreed yeah, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i could um go for a wish um i think it would be uh to well to get a chance to use uh some of my moves um because i'm not sure i actually used uh either of mine i actually realized as well that i was um i was probably using the uh juju bag wrong as well because i was kind of There's because no i wrong <laughs> well no indeed i mean i'll know next time but i realized sort of I mean, I'd basically been, I knew I was equipped with it, and I'd essentially been using it as almost like a sort of plot device as a sort of source of magic. But it only occurred to me later on, you know, after casting the, um, the sort of magical fireball that the 
you know the the juju bag is actually just basically the same thing but you i don't think you have to roll for it you just sort of you you would yeah. you would be but you would have to roll kick some ass instead of use magic ah. so i don't i don't know which of those you're better at so the juju bag acts as a weapon which means that you can you can roll kick some ass and it does the amount of harm whatever it says in the tags for that weapon but right. using it as part of use magic to cause harm is an absolutely legitimate use of it as well and worked really well because you'd you had that that's the other move you use from your haven is the um the law library oh that's true yeah did, to give yourself you bonuses on magic rolls yeah actually okay then that is fine because that looking at uh writing myself my stats yeah it does make more sense to use magic than to, <laughs> uh, than to try and kick some ass so uh, and yeah I, and that I was loved- fine I love the flavor, like the description that you put on the juju bag, because the book literally just says juju bag, like yeah. to harm, far, magic, whatever. <laughs> so yeah, all your description of what's at, what it looks like and where it's come from and what's in it was great. Loved it. Good. <laughs> I would like to give Ellen a star for for volunteering to get got by the monster. <laughs> <laughs> Wild. <laughs> I didn't I didn't really think I was it when I did it. I thought everybody I thought everybody was affected, but no. I was like, me, me. I yeah. want it. Like I kind of felt like you were about to tell us that that had happened, but like <laughs> but I liked that it was just oh, straight in. Let's not dilly dally around with that. Let's let's get got. <laughs> <laughs> getting amongst it yeah because you know you you could have said matt just so i'm sure uh has this has, does this affect everybody am i affected by this but nope you were just like all my data's gone which... that would have been the considerate <laughs> and sensible thing to do i don't uh... know because it's a different type of game it's like, like I, I like that because that's exactly how this sort of system is meant to work compared to stuff like D or pathfinder where it's like the dm is prescribing what happens and everyone's playing through it and like i I find it really difficult (laughs) as a player to get in the mindset where i can just like instigate something Mm. and it's normally pretty much near the end of whatever we're doing i realize i can just say that happens that that, that's kind of it (laughs) yeah yeah to a certain extent in these games if you say it it's true Especially, is... especially as you know you know in this situation it's like oh, i was being recorded for a podcast so like you know unless unless it's really dire like tangent then you know he's not gonna go whoa 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 <laughs> well, so you know make matt do whatever you want Poor just... matt. <laughs> you do an amazing job of like but, but, okay sure sure you've been got yep that's that's that is the job that i volunteered for and i enjoy it and i wouldn't be doing it if i didn't so good good thank you for that and you've got to try and do it every time now like so if group one and people are like coming out with weird rashes or something you'll suddenly have to start going oh my god what's this and matt's like oh for fuck's sake just do it again i just i do sound like a bit like an uh (laughs) me i want to have the problem happen to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like the idea that next time Matt's just trying to set the scene <laughs> and then you start howling in pain and being like, why am I being dragged down to hell? And Matt's like, why have I written anything? Fuck this, right? Let's do it. Staring at you, staring down a blank page. <laughs> <laughs> ever, lo- ever the loving GM, we'll just go with it. It'll be fine. <laughs> They'll be like, why have I prepared? Thank God someone's prepared something. <laughs> <laughs> Such a drama queen. Such It'd a drama be a power queen. move if we ever do a live show. 
audience, before you if, have a chance. Yeah, if the audience <laughs> is in the room, it's like you can't no take backs then if you say it, it's true. <laughs> no take backs. That's brilliant. I really enjoyed the fact that the starting setup kind of sort of forced us into sort of pairs at the start, but not the pairs you would necessarily expect from the relationships we built up. So I had previous like actual, you know, uh, relationship with Cal and Melody, but my starting scenes with Jess and I liked that pretty much throughout the whole thing, it actually wound up as sort of Ed and Jess doing their sort of like investigation, sort of let's go and sort out the problem quite actively thing. And Melody and Cal are going off. It's like, well, these aren't the pairs we decided on at all. <laughs> like, but it came out much better that way, I think, especially seeing as we decided that like, Ed was like meant to be sort of on the side, sort of watching Jess and like making sure he keeps tabs on her and whatnot. And it's like, it's, so it's nice that they sort of had their sort of little, little team going on and going, cause that might make future relationships with the agency a bit more interesting for him and stuff like that. And what he tells them about stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I said earlier, like you can never predict before the, the history session and before you actually get, playing like what the relationships between the characters are going to be and we did character creation a long time ago but that part of it is still capable of being really surprising and delighting and mm. i think every every season so far has had an unusual pair off like that that we we couldn't have predicted would be delightful like um i think persephone and graham in playtime is <laughs> we couldn't have seen what that kind of camaraderie would have been like and um Ginny and cameron in mm -hmm. cold snap uh when we're recording this not everybody has heard very much of cold snap but they were uh like who could have seen that coming from character creation but they were a delightful pair as well <laughs> i feel like jess and melody have a really really interesting relationship that i want to see more of as well um, i want to see kind of how that how that develops with all of the secrets that are being kept mm. yeah I was going to say that as I think probably my main wish and the next time, obviously like we're not going to be playing necessarily with each other the next time it comes around. But if Jess and Melody are in a story together, I'd really like the conflict to manifest or re-resolved in some, in some way. Cause I feel like we get a little breadcrumbs of it in that game, which is lovely. So it's nice having a character that's on the sort of supernatural side of things that's much, much, much older than the other supernatural character because you get that sort of nursing sort of parental relationship even even if there's, like, conflict there. It's almost like, I don't know, I, I call it... I have a friend, and I'd say at festivals, I witnessed her being everyone's drug mum, and it's basically, she's done it all before, and so when everyone's just done everything wrong, he's like, make sure you drink your juice. Like, no, you don't lie down, stay up. <laughs> and I, I can kind of see that. <laughs> like, that sort yeah. of potential of like, you know, this is how you deal with that coming between Melody and, uh, and Jess, which I, mm. I quite like as a potential. Any further stars and wishes? I would like to give a star to Ellen just for dealing with, like, having a character which you're communicating with not out loud and I just I just think how you handled that with Kit was really good I don't I I don't think I would have done a 
done a good job if I had to <laughs> be this character and then there'd be another anyway so yeah I liked that well done thank you I sort of brought that on myself when I decided in my character setup that I hadn't a basically spirit guide invisible yeah. friend to the extent that then like a few weeks before we sat down to record this game um <laughs> Matt messaged me like so um maybe we should firm up some things about who this person is <laughs> am I playing have you invented a character for me and I was like yes I have <laughs> <laughs> You will be playing the role of... <laughs> yeah. Who's really GMing these games? <laughs> Sorry. Ellen, uh, the shadow GM. <laughs> uh, I basically told him, like, um, what did I say? Kit is incredibly charming, new romantic, uh, sort of um, non-binary. I pretty much pictured Prince, but a bit, pirate, bit more piratey. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Adamant. <laughs> I had Adam, Adamant in my head as well. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. So I was like, "There you go." <laughs> yeah, that that conversation about how about the mechanics of Kit. If it hasn't come out already, it will be a backstage episode at some point. Mm. So look out for that. But yeah, it is difficult when, like, because when both parts aren't heavily written, because it's hard enough to write those into a scene where there's someone who can't hear it, but you need to be able to watch it unfold. Like they do it really well in Battlestar Galactica with Gaius Balto, where he's sort of he'll speak and his response to the person he's seeing in his mind will be the same as his response or the start of it would be to whoever's actually in the room speaking. And that's hard enough to put together when both sides know what they've got to do. It's all down for them. So to try and put a character that most people can't see or hear into a scene and have it feel reasonably natural is is quite hard. On that note. If I if I'm allowed another wish, sure. Because um, uh, I had no, I I didn't really know how I was going to play Jess with Kit until we started, and I like that she's very passive with him. Like she, at the, in this game, very like whatever she he says, she's like yeah yeah yeah. Um, I'd quite like if uh, if she plays again for Kit to push her to a point beyond what she is willing to kind of make excuses for and go along with i was gonna say like it felt like kit had more kit had more room to be pushy with their own will because jess is you know at least gives credence to whatever kit says even if it's not like immediate like immediately just say yeah we'll do that but like yeah, I definitely got the impression that it's almost like potentially that Kit's creating a an affable relationship to in future just push it and push it and push it. But you know, go, oh, he's never steered me that wrong before. It can't be that bad. Yeah. And yes, not necessarily notice that it's going that far until it's gone too far. And I, yeah, I think what did I think I said that oh, I didn't want to know what I don't want to know what Kit's real motives are because Jess doesn't know all but all I know is I'm totally taken in by him so I'm like uh, what does he want <laughs> <laughs> and this story was was for me very much like working out how far I can push Jess as Kit mm-hmm. like what can what can Kit ask that Jess will do so I haven't found Jess's like 
I haven't found Jess's limit yet of what she will push back on. Hmm. And it, I mean, you are very much incentivized to do everything that Kit tells you to do, because if you don't in mechanically in the game, you lose all your moves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you can't do any of your special magic anymore until either you cave or, or find some other way around it. So yeah. yeah, there are, there are real consequences to when you, when you finally do decide to to push back. And we, we didn't see Kit try to fully take Jess over this time either. Which I, f- I feel like is probably because she's so affable at the moment that that might be something where if she pushes back, I don't know, I would like to see is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of places that can go, potentially, potentially quite dark places. So we will keep checking in about that. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um. I think I I don't have a specific wish other than just wanting to to play, well play more but also hear more from from all the characters. Yeah, I, it's mm. a um it's a blessing and a curse really that there are so many people in vigil. But yeah, just whenever it comes round, looking forward to hearing from more from everybody mm. yeah Absolutely. me too and yeah super looking forward to seeing some so again like you say blessing and curse i'm really interested to see some different combinations of characters and how different people interact but also yeah. at the same time i like, just delays these relationships yeah i really want to <laughs> see what happens next with jess and uh, jess and melody i want to see more of ed and cal's friendship and all of that kind of stuff so yeah We'll just have, we've just got to keep playing <laughs> forever and ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to do uh, Omen Investigations, which is another British Monster of the Week actual play podcast, do a Christmas special where they have about yeah. about forty different people on it last in Christmas twenty twenty. <laughs> oh wow. my gosh! <laughs> wow. So it, it it can be done, but judging by the uh, keepers twitter uh it is not an easy thing to pull off <laughs> <laughs> given that i like running D for two people ideally two people <laughs> my ideal party size <laughs> like, don't want any more than that keeps it all under control tight <laughs> <laughs> one last thing i will say is i'll be interested to see where this um uh, this occult thing goes mm. the um for cal and for jess because Ooh. um i mean when i when i created the character i hadn't even really envisaged that in the backstory it was only when it sort of came up in, in the sort of uh in the inter-character relationships uh part of the setting that the sort of uh the idea began to form so you know that was in a lot of ways entirely unexpected so yeah interested to yeah, the best bits so a, yeah. brand, a brand new element in the mix indeed and i guess if i hadn't used that uh, point of luck then we may not have actually heard about any more about that uh, so um yeah i'll be interested to see where that goes anyway yeah yeah i like when people spend luck <laughs> it makes <laughs> interesting things happen <laughs> i think i I'm, i think i do have a wish mm-hmm. um and that is to just like to not have to kill the monster mm-hmm. because i designed my character with the idea where she really values life and then 
somehow <laughs> accidentally basically ended up with a load of stats that make me quite fighty <laughs> when I specifically didn't want to I don't know how I've done it basically I've um but I would like to be involved in something where we have the choice not to destroy whatever's causing the problem yeah I I tried I did my best to try and make that a real possibility this time especially with the fact that like this this creature like it wasn't maliciously doing bad things to people like that's just what it eats this is just its life cycle so exactly i felt like that that left the door open for you all to be like well yeah it's hurting people but uh like it's not necessarily its fault so yeah it was good that we that we made a valiant attempt at it <laughs> at least mm-hmm. but yeah it would be good to It'd be great to have a story at some point where we we leave something alive and either free it or put it in the oubliette or something, and then it's hanging around yeah, so, for future stories. So Calisterius soft binding needs to expand the, uh, the dungeon <laughs> area of the, of the library. Not the oubliette. Uh, I better get digging, I guess. Or next, <laughs> next time, because otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I think I think Mick's got some some time coming up when he'd be free to to do some some of the work on that. <laughs> start of next season mix digging another oubliette for Calisterius. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe who knows we'll see yeah. what the next season is but for now looking back at this one uh i had a great time i'm glad that everybody had lots of good moments to to celebrate and look back on um thank you all very much for playing uh, and we'll see you next time thank you thank, thank you very much brilliant game production from Merely Roleplayers. It stars Ellen Gould as Jess Butterworth, Chris McLennan as Ed Kincaid, Helen Stratton as Melody, and Chris Buxy as Calisteria Softbinding. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing the episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. <laughs>